Ben Jawalski, what's going on, man? It is time to record the podcast. It's so early. <laughs> it's so early. Oh. Well, it all depends on what people are listening. So I'm going to try to make it seem like it's not early by being as awake sounding as possible. Yeah, I guess that's the beauty of recording podcasts. You can pretend it's whatever you want it to be, but I like to keep it real, Ben, and it's early, man. What a great sunset we have today. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's somewhere, it is but it's... Jocko Willink would be proud. It is zero dark 30 here in uh, in Denver right now. Yeah, the sun's just peeking up here in Cleveland. It's bright and early, but it's going to be a good day. You know why it's going to be a good day, Ben? Because I have new shoes. I have new shoes. Look, for those watching this, I got the new 300s in blue. What do you think? They're beautiful. I aren't like they, them. Aren't they beautiful? I love these things. I uh, They messaged me last week and they were like, hey, we're going to send you a new pair of 300s. And I'm like, all right, I'll take a fourth pair. <laughs> Why not? Yes, I accept. What shoes did you uh, get? Yeah, I saw you. I saw a video you were lifting. You got the, the Innovate lifters? Yeah, I got the lifters, uh, which are awesome. I've literally only one, owned one pair of lifters in my life. Um, these ones are super light. Like I was very surprised how light they were, um, which I don't even know if that's necessarily important for lifting, but for CrossFit with lifters, it's definitely, you know, could be important. Um, so I lifted in those yesterday. It was awesome. Um, and I also got some running shoes as well because oh. I realized that I don't have any shoes that are built for running. None, zero, zilch. So they sent me some of their Terra Ultra runners, which are like their award-winning trail slash ultra marathon running shoe um so i'm excited i wore those playing pickleball yesterday not running but pickleball um and they actually worked really well and i'm super stoked to actually start trail running out here maybe wow look at you well maybe i have to hit them up for some I, it, it's a little weird like trail running in cleveland is really nice we have really nice metro parks and trails and but uh it sucks in the winter time obviously much like Denver, I'm sure, just too much snow to do it, or too much snow for me to do it. Let me put it that way. Well, actually, in Denver, like Denver, it's like a secret. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but for all listeners, let you in on a little secret. Denver is actually quite nice in the winter because actual Denver is like sunny and can get pretty warm. Like it's going to be like 67 degrees and sunny today, and the rest of the week looks like that. And so does next week. And but the mountains can get snow. So it's quite, quite nice. Yeah. See, we just get snow on top of snow. It's really nice right now though. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Well, I like these things. I'm, I'm excited to get more. So uh, I'll do my workout in them. I did a, did part of my workout yesterday and in, in my lifters from Innovate it was a fun workout. I didn't even tell you this. So uh, Scott Pancheck launched an app and he sent it to me. It's called unlocked something. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't sponsored, which is why I can't remember the name, but um, yeah, it's called unlocked is actually the name of the app and uh, it generates workouts and he's like, Hey, I'm going to send it to you. I'll give you a free year. You know, let me know what you think. This thing's awesome, dude. Like you tell it what equipment you have and then it just generates workouts that he's programmed for you. And then you can That's also cool. tell it if there's a specific movement you want to do, you can tell it and it'll generate only workouts that have that specific movement. And then you can pick. And, um, so the one I did yesterday was a two-parter. It was, um, 10, eight, six, four, two burpee pull-ups, 
five, four, three, two, one, uh, squat snatches and then you rest five minutes. And then part two was the same rep scheme, burpee pull-ups and squat cleans. And it was fun, dude. It was, you know, each half took, you know, about nine, you know, nine minutes or less. And, you right. know, so it was not a sprint, but you're working fast, you know, wait, you know, you got to make the weight challenging enough to, you know, where you're not necessarily doing touch and goes, although I guess you could, you know, if you really wanted to push the pace, you could do touch and goes and like kind of crush it that way. But it's not how I roll. Cause I was scaling and bailing and, uh, Scale and bail, baby. And it was good, man. And I've done four or five, it looked like that in a row, like from his app. And it's great. And it's like six bucks a month or something, maybe seven bucks a month nice. for, for people that are members. So, you know, if you need, uh, good programming. I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but he's a friend and it's a great app. And I'm, as I've been testing, I'm like, man, if I were, you know, full-time in my home gym alone doing this and I don't need, you know, one-on-one coaching, which I kind of don't at this point in my CrossFit career, like seven bucks a month done. <laughs> you know, yeah, like if you're just looking to fill in gaps or just get, find workout ideas, I could be really smart. Might yeah, not be well, as progressive as, as others, you know, if it's just like kind of randomly generating them, but still, still cool. Well, when I say randomly generating, it's not creating the workouts. These are clearly workouts that he's programmed. Yeah. It's just picking, it's, you're telling it what you have available and it's giving you workouts these program that have those movements in it. What it also has that's really cool is a training journal. So it gives you like his, what he's doing. And his notes and like video clips of what he's doing. So I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and uh, it looks like, as I'm like kind of eyeballing it here, there's going to be a daily program that's coming that you could probably upgrade to. So it's pretty cool, dude. Pretty cool stuff. Sweet. So big fun. Uh, and the other thing I did before that, we'll just shout out the other sponsor, you can, because I, I'm four workouts into this thing and it's been kicking my butt. So. <laughs> I did what I normally do, which was I pounded a UCAN bar. And because some uh, listener of the show asked if bananas are just as good, I ate a banana with it too, because I knew I was also going to bike afterwards. And it was the perfect mix, man. Perfect mix. Um, but what I wanted to mention about UCAN, we normally have a 20% off code, but they have a 30% off on their site right now for um, right. the holiday. So if you're going to pick up some super starch, you want to get an energy bar that's going to get you through workouts. And, you know, particularly like that one yesterday took me. You know, it was 20 some odd minutes on the bike and then another, you know, 25 minutes down in my gym. So 45 minutes total. Um, you want to push the workout like that. These bars and gels are fantastic. And uh, it's 30% off on their website right now. You can.co. I'm a big fan of the carb powder. Still been using that. That's a, it's like I could, I take that pre-workout and I can choose whether or not I want to add caffeine to it. Like I had a late workout yesterday. Um, so I didn't add any caffeine and just took a scoop of the, basically the energy starch and took a scoop of that. And then my beta alanine, creatine, citrulline, it was, it was, it was delicious. It's tasty. All the leans. Huh? They have a new flavor. I haven't tried yet. I'm going to have to message them and hit them up. They have like some sort of pineapple. I want to try. We also have a, we also have a discount um, code on innovate as well. Right. And I know they're running. They're running some sort of donation thing currently right yes. now in our current land. Everybody's doing Black Friday, Green Friday, Purple Tuesday, stuff like that. <laughs> it is horrible uh, Tuesday. Uh, scale. Yeah, scale. Scale. Is scale. Okay. 
Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Scale is our code on both. So you can go to either one. So for some reason, you know, you can't get the 30% off it. You can try our code scale. Most of these codes for the record are us based only uh, for whatever that's worth. There's, you know, we can't work in the codes and deal with international shipping and uh, all that fun stuff, mm-hmm. but check them out. You'll love it. It's good stuff. So let's, uh, let's jump into some questions. How's it feel to be back at home for like two weeks now? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm getting a little antsy. Are you, you ready to travel again? What am I doing? You know, um, actually I read a book the other day, um, like literally like a 500 page book and it took me like a day and a half. So that was fun. Did a lot of reading on the couch, watching my, my Ravens football team, you know, win games. Um, yeah, it's been great. It's been good to be home and I'm excited to have another like roughly two-ish weeks, week and a half um, here in Denver where I'll be straight chilling, hanging out with my Denver people. So that's going to be a good time. Your Ravens have been winning and you're about to have to play the Browns in back-to-back weeks. Did you see that? It wasn't. I think it's not, it's not back-to-back. I think there's a Steelers game in the middle. It's a Steelers game for you. It's back-to-back for us. We have a bye week in between. Really? That's kind of crazy. It's terrible. Like I just, as a fan, I don't like it. Um, I mean, I love well, especially watching. Especially if you're going to lose both of them, like that's well, a bummer for you guys. Maybe you know, you get our best team. It's going to be a battle. If you get the team that showed up against Detroit this weekend, you're going to beat the hell out of us. You know, it's, <laughs> the NFL is so weird that way. You know, like two weeks ago, we beat Cincinnati like a drum, like it wasn't even close. It was like a college team, and then we roll out this week against the Detroit Lions, who haven't won a game and. We look terrible. I mean, we won. I mean, you squeaked it out, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, like a win's a win, but still, man. <laughs> it's Detroit. We're talking about Detroit here. Hey, we took Detroit to – we had to kick a 66-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. Yeah, well, they're pro athletes, I guess. That should be the mindset. Yeah. But, well, I know you're antsy, but I'm glad you're getting some time at home, particularly around the holidays. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm doing a Friendsgiving here, and then – so just hanging out with some friends. Um, I'm actually uh, I'm gonna smoke a 17 pound wagyu brisket. It's a hundred and ninety dollar piece of meat that I'm gonna cook myself, which I've done several times. Brisket is my thing, and then we're gonna have a, a big old feast. It's gonna be fantastic. Oh, I appreciate so. the invite. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, if you're if you're you know <laughs> driving if you're driving through, maybe you can stop by for like five minutes, but. Uh, Man, it sounds delicious. So we we have this. Yeah, uh, awesome. Me and my girls have this Thanksgiving tradition that we do every year since they were little. Um, you know, I got divorced when they were three and five, and so you know, we early on. I don't have family here in Cleveland, so early on, I uh, told the ex-wife, "I'm like, well, you can have them on Thanksgiving because your whole family's here, and you know, I don't want to take them away from you on a holiday when they're around." You know, mm-hmm. so I've had them every Wednesday since they were tiny. And at the time we lived across the street from a Cracker Barrel. So we started this uh, tradition where we get up, you know, Wednesday night, we watch movies and we get up Thursday morning, put up the Christmas tree and we go to Cracker Barrel. And we've done that every year since they were tiny, you know? And so now they like, they just like count the days. They just love it. You know, that's great. And uh, Cracker Barrel makes some great food. Oh dude, it's the best. So yeah, we'll roll into Cracker Barrel on, uh, on uh, Thanksgiving morning, 
and have some breakfast and then we'll come back here and put up the tree and now that they're older we make mimosas and act like basic white bees and sit there and drink mimosas <laughs> and listen to christmas music and put up the tree together it's fun nice super fun nice. so love it all right well let's let's jump into questions so i got uh, i'm freaking three. hungry now we're talking about cracker barrel just i know dude I get the get the country that. boy breakfast it's good stuff dude it's, you know bacon eggs biscuits gravy oh grits yeah. cannot go wrong cannot go wrong all right here's some questions this is uh bryant moore instagram name living more i like that living underscore more uh first of all bryant wants us to shout out uh dr justine's sleep supplement that was his first question i've had th- i've had that question i've been meaning to ask you this for a month now because i bet i've gotten a dozen questions people are like what's that sleep supplement what's your company what's justine's company's name so it's now third z so type so- in on on uh on the old browser third z y.com so T-H-I-R-D-Z-Y.com. Check it out. And then it's the PM Recovery Collagen is the, that's like the new, it used to be like Beauty Sleep Collagen, um, but it's a lot more than that. I mean, especially for our market, it's definitely, it's Recovery Collagen. So PM Recovery Collagen and yeah, that's, that's the stuff. It's delicious. I still take it almost every night uh, and it's a good, Basically, it's a good, like, I like creating sleep habits, not saying like, oh, you're going to get hooked on this and it's going to form a bad habit. It's more of like when you create routines for your morning or create routines for your evening, your body tends to like, you know, get hooked on that uh, in a good way. And then like, so when I take that supplement and then I start winding down and I read my book, so my body's like, aha, I know what's happening here. We're going to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> last night it was like aha we're not going to sleep ever tonight and you know it was all messed up but on a normal night when i'm like actually going through my normal evening routine i, I take a scoop of that and it's it's great well it has I'm... like a bunch of actually scientifically proven ingredients so supplements aren't really needed but they can aid in various functions of the body so the supplement's pretty nice i am slowly creeping up on my sleep score uh, and getting a little better at it, but I'm going to hit her up for some, but anyway, here's Brian's question. His real question. Uh, what are some benchmarks or tangible measures that an athlete should work to before entering the competition side of CrossFit? I also get that question a lot. People want to know, what do you do? Like, what are your benchmarks before you start competing? Mm -hmm. I have a very simple answer. The answer is there are none. And you should try a scaled competition because I am a huge proponent. I think it's a great fun time to compete as a strictly amateur scaled athlete. Um, The amount of people that I've seen make just have like the time of their life competing in local competitions uh, in the scale division, not even worrying too much about their scores and, you know, whether they, they win or lose or, or, you know, PR or any of that stuff, just getting out there and competing in a scaled competition, especially if you do it with a team is so much fun. Um, I I remember at my gym uh, that I owned blue crab CrossFit, 
back in Maryland, I, we hosted like an in-house competition. Um, and I think that, you know, lasted for a couple of years and it was just amazing during that in-house competition. We like paired people from all different ability levels with people that they didn't know. And it turned into like one of the best like team bonding environments for our gym. So personally speaking, I think one of the best things you can do if you like have any curiosity about dipping your toes into the competition landscape, just find a competition that has a legit scaled division. When I say legit scaled, like there's some scaled competitions that like are like, yeah, you only need to be able to do 10 unbroken strict pull-ups. It's like, what? No, like that's not necessarily fully scaled. Um, so I would just like find some local competitions. Uh, there's actually a bunch of different competition finding resources. And I know morning chalk up, um, you know, will include lists of various competitions and events in like the end of their emails a lot of times. And find one near you that could be interesting and then do some digging and or email the organizer and ask what are the minimum standard requirements for the scale division or if you want to do rx what are the minimum standard requirements for the rx division and they will tell you because each competition has a different minimum standard um you know like scaling requirements or minimum standard like ability levels like if there's going to be swimming in the event, it'll probably say you need to swim. You know, if there's going to be handstand walks, it'll say, you know, need to be able to handstand walks at least 10 feet, something like that. For the skill division, you'll, you'll pick up on the weights, you'll pick up on the various like levels of skill that are needed. And some are going to be harder than others. And that's, that's what I would do. But if you're curious at all, register, do it. It's fun, especially team competitions. That's my big fan of the team comps. The only thing I would maybe do different, I don't know if it's different, but I would add to it is do the open, you know, like I I think the open is a great measuring stick for really understanding how you are against others. Like for me, the reason to compete is to see how you're doing against others. Like see how you compete in the local landscape in your age division, like, you know, test how fit you are. My problem with local competitions especially every time I go to one, because I don't do them, but every time I go to one, they'll have two divisions, RX and intermediate. And every time that intermediate division is filled with RX athletes, just trying to get on a podium. And it drives me crazy, drives me absolutely crazy. Like if you've done this long enough, you can tell who should be RX and who should be intermediate. And you'll have these intermediate athletes out there just destroying these scaled athletes, you know, and it's just, it's frustrating, you know, both for the athletes and as a spectator, like, it's just not fun to watch, you know? And so what place did you get in the open this year in the, in the scale division or last year? That was two years ago, but the open's different, Ben. Like this is a live competition where there are podiums at stake, money at stake. Like we're not talking about, uh, well, all right, I'll come back to that because I'm going to let you smack talk me on the open, but there's a specific reason why you should do the open and scale it. And a specific reason between these competitions, like there is a difference Okay. In a in a local comp where you have someone that should be RX and they're going in as inter- intermediate just to get a podium, right? Because most yeah, of these intermediate yeah, competitions, the scaled competitions you're describing, that's going to happen to them. And so what I'm trying to wave them off on is the frustration of going to do your first competition and getting your ass kicked by yeah. some by somebody who has no business being in your division. And that's that's why you should do the open because you'll have a much better sense of how you stack rank against others now 
Um, the flip side of that is, yes, I finished second in the open worldwide. And you could argue that I should be an RX athlete. I would argue soundly against that okay. uh, based on my, my personal experiences with the open. I've done seven opens at this point. I've been injured yep. in four of them. You want to guess which four? You want to guess which which four I got injured in? The ones I didn't scale. You've been in. Okay, so you're saying the the previous open workouts led to injury, and that's why you're like, "Hey, I'm scaling it because I know that's going to help me avoid injury." Yeah, look, the open almost always introduces movements that you either don't work on much, or you haven't done before or you're simply not good at. So for me, an example, that would be muscle ups. First time muscle ups came up. Guess what I did? Injured my shoulder Yeah. because I, to your point, yeah, I could RX most workouts. Um, and yeah, I went in and I learned muscle ups in a day and I did a whole bunch of them in the first time. And I got a pretty good score and a stack rank pretty good. And my shoulder didn't feel right for eight months. And I did exactly yes. what we warned against on this show over and over and over that this is just training. The open is still just training. It doesn't, yeah. you know, if you're not trying to make it to the games, it doesn't mean anything. So I, mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of, you know, if you're that type of athlete, which I am, like, I'm one of those people that I can go to the red line if you make me do it. And, you know, I, I've got a pretty high tolerance for pain, so I can, I can go do that, but I'm also going to do some real dumb shit. <laughs> And I'm probably yeah. going to get hurt and yeah. uh, it's not worth it to me. So I scaled them. Yeah. Um, I scaled last year too, by the way, last year I did a different, I did two of them uh, RX and one scaled. I don't know other way around one RX and two scaled. And you know, that worked out for me. So I, you know, I just think people, you know, if you want to compete, you know, you've got to have to look at it both ways. One is see how you're really stacking in your age group. And the open's a great way to do that. Either scaled or RX. Yeah, it's hard to do that in a local competition. Cause it's like, you don't have the, there's normally not a big enough pool for age group. There's, you know, there, there's not a big enough pool of athletes and yeah, you'll, you'll get like, I, I totally agree with you. I'm just, you know, playing devil's advocate here, but uh, you'll totally get the athlete that like, because they can't, do one movement to their liking, you know, like can't do double unders. They can do everything else, but for whatever reason, they haven't learned double unders yet. And because of that, they'll be like, well, I don't want to look stupid in the RX division, so I'm going to scale it. And then, like, there have been times where there's, you know, some athletes that I've seen that just like, oh, cool, you won every single scaled event. That was potentially a sign that you should have gone RX. But I would also argue, like, in a competition, again, you got to control what you can control. You ask about the standards, and if someone else registers that's clearly far surpasses the standards and shouldn't be there, that's not for you to judge or control. I mean, I guess you can judge it, but you can't control it. So just like go in there, put forth your best effort, and and you'll have a great time. Especially team competitions, like it's kind of it's almost impossible not to have a good time, but. If you find yourself in the event winning every single workout, do us a favor and uh, maybe consider trying an RX competition um, next time because it's potentially no fun when they're like, it's fun when things are competitive. It's not fun to watch a blowout. Um, it's not fun to participate in the blowout. But regardless, register. I love scaled competitions. Actually, of course, I don't necessarily have 
have a video about it, but I do have a big blog post about like how to prepare for your first competition. Um, and I'm a big fan of it. I, and actually here just in Colorado recently, we had a huge event called the MBS or at MBS CrossFit called like the Turkey Challenge. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it out there, but they have like team competitions on the first day and then individual competitions on the second day. And from what I hear, it is a blast. It's a fun event. It's a great way to meet other CrossFit communities in your area. Um, it's a great way to just to socialize. I'm, I'm a huge fan. And it's definitely, it was a very, very big part of why I stuck it out um, with CrossFit specifically for the long haul. I haven't competed in quite some time, but early on, man, those competitions were, they were fun. They, there was nothing bad about them. I had a blast. Would you do a local comp at this point? Would I? It would have to be with the right people and I'd have to be coerced with like, <laughs> like maybe some like pie or something, maybe like nice pumpkin pie. I'd consider it. I don't know if I could be talked into one. I've done three at this point. No, four. I've done four and three on a team, one solo. And uh, they're fun, but man, just wrecks my body. Like, that's my problem with it. It isn't so much like spending the time doing it. It's just like the two or three days afterwards where I'm just completely and utterly wrecked from doing four or five workouts in one day. Like, I just hate that feeling. I hate it so much. Yeah, I've done done at least 20. Um, So I've kind of been there, done that all kind of across the world. High level, low level, won some. It's been great. And yes, I agree. Like it does, it does definitely like tank your body and there's a bit of anxiety, you know, like leading up to it, especially if you're like someone like me, who's like, I got to win. Um, however, again, I always loop back around to like, especially if you're someone who can be like, yeah, I'm here to have fun. That is a great attitude to go into a competition with just go there, have fun. Who cares if rich Froning, you know, registers for the scale division. Um, you'll still have a good time. He'd kill the scale division. All right, let's um, let's go to the next question. This one comes from Eleanor with lots of L's. Eleanor. <laughs> I love screen names. I love them. Uh, hey, guys, love the podcast. I've learned so much as a newbie CrossFitter. Thanks, Eleanor. Uh, how to improve wrist mobility. I find my wrist get super sore with handstand holds, heavy jerks, or anything heavy on the wrists. Thanks, guys. And then she has a little little emoji with little stars in the eyes, which I think are intended for me because I'm the star here. I mean, let's be honest, but maybe for you, Ben. I mean, so, you, you are the star. You got, you have the star ambiance, right? And it, it's just, it is, it's the, it's the aura. It's the, just the aura. Honestly, dude, your coattails got really, really hard to hold on to at the Rogue Invitational, but I'm I sure. did it. I did it. You did. You hung on tight. It was impressive. Yeah. I was clinging to you like a cat, like a bean. <laughs> um, so wrist mobility, I, I want to know, Eleanor, how long you've been doing CrossFit specifically or doing, you know, some form of functional training, because the reason I say that is I too had wrist pain the first, like, I would say like maybe like the first couple years of CrossFit. And that's simply because like, as a modern human being, our wrists are pretty weak, even though I was like a fisherman, right? Like I have to like, I'm like reeling and casting and like, I'm doing a lot of like, like the wrist flick for, for all the, the fishing stuff. And still in those like extended positions, like basically if you, 
you know, like take your hand and, and pull it back as far as you can to get wrist extension. That is, and that's not a position that we're really in a lot of the day. Like when we're on our phones, when we're typing on a computer, like we allow our, our wrist to get into a little flexion, but not extension. And because of that, I think a lot of like the overhead squats, the handstand holds, these, these things, like even push-ups, handstand push-ups, uh, when, when we get our wrist into that, you know, fully uh, extended position, it's not a position that we've been exposed to very much. And then we tend to add a lot of weight to it. So the long and short of it is simply the wrist will get stronger. You can use wrist wraps if you're like finding like lots of pain. It's acute pain. It's annoying. I did at one point use some wrist wraps like on days where I was especially annoyed. I remember overhead squats kind of annoying the, the crap out of my wrist. And I would use wrist, you know, like, you know, standard cloth wrist wraps. And that would help give it a little bit of support to make it seem like it was feeling a little bit better. However, when I removed them and I kind of bit the bullet and stopped wearing them, similar to the belt, you stop wearing the belt, in theory, your core is going to get a little stronger and more comfortable lifting heavy weight. Same thing goes with the, with the wrists. Like once I removed the wrist wraps and I allowed myself to, be in a little bit of pain. It wasn't un- unbearable. It was like just a little bit of discomfort on the overhead squats, on the presses, on the that wrist was in, you know, extension in a matter of months. It never happened again. And now I never, ever, ever deal with wrist pain because the wrist eventually will get stronger and adapt to being in those loaded positions. So that's my, you know, non-scientific answer is eventually they will get stronger. If it's something where like you're experiencing acute, acute pain, that would be something to talk to a PT about. Um, but chances are, if it's just a little bit of discomfort, it's exactly what I've seen out of lots of people that I've coached and myself. And I always say, don't worry, it'll eventually get better. If you just keep exposing yourself to it, you're going to get a little bit stronger. And then eventually it's not going to be painful at all. Uh, I'll add a couple of things. I used to wear wrist wraps. I've given them up completely these days. Don't wear them at all for anything. Um, yeah. It just, for me, they, it became a crutch. I think one thing that uh, gyms, coaches, CrossFitters often forget, you forget to warm up your wrists. Um, that was something I learned early on because I was also having a lot of wrist pain. And so I, there are two or three things that I do to, to uh, alleviate that. One, the the big one I do if you can imagine, if you're on your hands and knees and your fingers are pointing forward, I turn my fingers in. So now my fingers are pointed toward my knees and I rock kind of back and forth and side to side. I learned this in yoga, by the way. Um, and that pressure that becomes now on kind of the front of your palm where your fingers are, you'll feel it pulling through your, um, through your forearms. And for me, that allows me to kind of open up those wrists and get comfortable in that position you're going to feel when you're doing heavy cleans or jerks like it's pulling your finger if you're watching this you can see it on the video but it's pulling your fingertips back and allowing allowing that stretch that you're going to need that helps me a lot the other thing that i did uh, and then i often do is i get in a handstand position so if you can do hand if it's hurting during handstand push-ups which is where i often find it i change the position of my hands so again you can see it on the video but I just, I turn it, you know, 90 to 45 degrees. And I, I base it on my thumbs because that's, you know, obviously closest to your head and I'll 
pull them out, pull them in. And I'm not doing a lot of handstand pushups here, but I'm moving that to, again, get my wrist comfortable in different positions. You also might find that you've just got your hands in the wrong positions. If you're doing handstand pushups and getting pain, that might be something you look at because I ran into that for a while. So those are kind of the two big things that I do. Um, the other thing that I do if we're doing jerks is um, I spend a pretty decent amount of time warming up at a really light weight of getting that overhead and, you know, in the catch, you know, so not only holding on my shoulders and, and pulling my elbow all the way through um, so again. So I'm kind of pulling that bar back onto my fingertips, but uh, also getting it overhead multiple times before I start adding weight. And that's helped me a lot. And I'm kind of at the point now, particularly since I'm working out at home, uh, if, I, if I'm going to do a lift like a jerk, for instance, and it's going to be the same weight, you know, for multiple times, I'm doing a lot of lifts prior to that. Like I'm, I'm working, you know, 10 pound jumps for seven or eight, you know, nine, 10 lifts even sometimes to make sure that my wrists feel good uh, before I do it. Same for snatches, because that's an area where I tend to feel it on my wrists when it's hitting. So those are the I things that old man does. I like that. Um, there's also, I just remembered um, early on the program that I was following would program um, wrist curls. So barbell wrist curls can be, I mean, it seems, you know, it's not something you're going to see in most CrossFit gyms, but you can do basically reverse barbell wrist curls and then normal supinated barbell wrist curls. Um, so just go on to YouTube, Google it whatever you'll see all kinds of different demos, but basically you're just, you're putting your, your hands on the bench all the way to just above your wrist. And you're allowing, you know, you're going into full flexion and extension and it's great. I remember those smoking me just with a, a standard unloaded barbell. Um, and that was a great way to basically just want to build strength in the full range of motion. Um, so that, that could be another great thing that hopefully will, will help. And if you need more help, like if it's actually like a pain, pain thing, and this goes for everyone, um, we do actually have some like rehab coaching at Wad Prep. So if, if something gets really serious, find yourself a physical therapist of some sort, whether it's local or remote, and uh, they should be able to help program things to help you alleviate or navigate that pain. Oh, you know what else would help? Shake weight. <laughs> <laughs> go get a shake weight drugs. yeah drugs. <laughs> besides besides drugs shake weight eleanor go buy a shake weight and get that thing moving you'll be you'll be all set all right next question um oh, help. all right this one has two questions one of which we've answered before so uh sorry g nash g nash that's his name capital g nash uh, you're only getting half your question answered. So he says, uh, for those of us who have running issues or where there are limited numbers of rowers, bikes, ski ergs, would you discuss how to decide what's appropriate for scaling, modifying, say, a 200 meter or 400 meter? So let's stick to 200 and 400 meter run to each of those apparatuses and where no equipment is available. So I think what Gene Ash is asking is if if you have running issues and there's a limited number of rowers and bikes and ski ergs. What do you do? What What do you do? And kind of the reverse of that is if you if you have one of those things programmed and you have to run, how you know how what's the what's the equal equivalent? You know what's the equivalent? Yeah, 
I well, always let's do 400 meter. That's the most common, I think, distance okay. that most most are doing. Yeah, I do the time domain. Like, how long would it normally take you to a 400 meter run? At let's you know, again, you have to modify your pace based on the workout. Like, if it's a 20 round workout with each round has a 400 meter run, like that pace that you're you would naturally run is going to be probably slower than two minutes per 400, right? You're going to slow things down a bunch. So because of that, when you're modifying in the workout, then you should spend, let's say you, you would normally run at a pace. Again, if it's a sprint workout, maybe two minutes per 400. So then you can do two minutes of burpees as a substitute. If you don't have like the rower or the skier or the, you know, whatever machine, you could just do that many minutes worth of burpees, two minutes worth of burpees, or, you know, time yourself maybe before the workout or the first round of the workout, do two minutes worth of burpees and then use that as your target burpee count for the rest of the rounds. Because I know how easy it is in a two minute AMRAP to just move really slow. So you don't have to do any work. Um, I know from experience. Um, So that's what I would say is like, how long would the, would the run normally take you? And then do burpees for that long and or approximate the amount of burpees you should be able to do in that time domain. And then that's the amount of burpees that you do as a substitute for every single round. So burpees could be a good one. Another one could be double unders or single unders attempts, or you could do like the, the running single unders. Um, obviously, if you can't run, maybe that's a terrible scale because it's pretty much like running. But depending on what the limitation is for the run, just make sure that your the scale down doesn't agitate it. I just wouldn't do something that is completely unrelated to running. Like running, we could say, is a bit of a cardio stressor. Burpees, some might argue, are a bit of a cardio stressor. What I wouldn't do is like, oh, I have a 400-meter run. That's going to take me about two minutes. I'm going to do two minutes of push-ups instead. Like, okay, that's definitely a, a scale. It's a modification, but you're not doing anything for your legs at all. You're just pressing, 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 pressing. So burpees are a great one. You could also do air squats. You could do lunges, bodyweight lunges, weighted lunges. Like there's so many things. I would just make sure that it's something that is relatively high rep so you can get that heart rate up and make sure that it's leg focused in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I fully agree with that. For me, it's always been about the time, you know, like, so a 400 meter run, you know, kind of a, the average person can run that in two minutes. The average, I know there's a lot of wiggle room on both sides, but two minutes is a great like kind of time domain to figure for a 400 meter run. And then or 230, to- like two thirties is maybe for like an older scaled crowd two two minutes and 30 seconds is probably yeah. even, even more yeah whatever your pace is like for me it's two minutes but for like for most people yeah, speed you know whatever just, here. no 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 just like pick your time yeah. like two yeah. minutes isn't fast like dan I, bailey I mean, yeah dan bailey it's 57 seconds i mean i keep in mind when i started crossfit at 40 my 400 meter run time was you know, a minute 30 and now it's far closer to two minutes than a minute 30. And there were moments where I could get it, you know, closer to a minute 15, you know, it's just, 
Um, those days are far past for me. But my point is, is like, I think your point around pick a time is important and then picking a movement that makes sense. I had a run coach that used to make us do double unders or some sort of jump rope because he fully mm-hmm. believed that jump rope was the closest thing to running you could do because it activates the calves so much. Yeah. Um, I like uh, jumping lunges as a scale because it's uh, really high intensity from a cardio standpoint, like, and gives you kind of that same stimulus, but, you know, if you're struggling running that kind of, you know, pressure in your knees might be tough and same for jump ropes. So I think burpees to your point is a really, really great scale because you can step into burpees, you know, you can step back, step up, you know, it's really about just staying in, you know, two minutes of burpees, even stepping back and stepping up is that's not fun. No, not a, you not also, a fun scale. Depending on the impact, you could also do like no jump burpees. I remember my, my buddies on make a CrossFit would program those. If we really wanted to spike our heart rate and basically it's like you're doing a burpee, but you're not jumping in between reps, um, which, you know, limits the impact, but also like, that's kind of like the only part of the movement where you get to rest in some way, shape or form. There's not very much rest, but like, that little teeny jump, you can get like a nice breath in. So he would program no jump burpees and you'd basically hit your chest to the deck, get full hip extension and boom, you have to get right back down. Um, and that, that could be a great skill. Basically what we're trying to do is just get our heart rate up and work the same relative muscle groups. Um, so those are good non-equipment scaling options. Yep. Uh, his second, his second question, which we're not going to get into, I'm just going to refer him back to our previous show. Uh, was uh, what would you recommend for a conversion from double unders to single unders? Sounds like his box goes between doing one and a half to two uh, and there's no discussion why. So A, go talk to your coach, but B, we talked about this on a previous show. So you're going to have to go back and, yeah. and listen. So, But I really like, it's funny because it's kind of the same answer though. Like I really like like how much time should X amount of double unders take. Like if 50 double unders, if you say, yeah, 45 seconds for the average athlete with a couple of trips. Right? right. And then just, just scale single unders for 45 seconds or double under attempts. I think even better for 45 seconds, something like that. It's funny how much of CrossFit goes back to that. Like, you know, how much time are you going to spend doing this or, you know, time or reps? Like I was thinking about it yesterday doing that workout that was for time, but I'm looking at it going, well, it's clearly for reps. You know, it was 60 burpees in total you know, and then, you know, 20 lifts, uh, or no 15 lifts so 30 lifts total, you know? And I'm like, if you're doing traditional lifting down here, I would have done 60 burpees and 30 lifts. I just wouldn't have done them all with a high heart rate. You know, it's just the math of CrossFit always, um, it's always fun for me. I don't know. It just always impresses me how it gets worked out, but not fun for me. I don't do math, math. (laughs) All right. Next question. Nikki Lee. Uh, Nikki Lee says, good morning. May I ask a question about aging and CrossFit? I'm 45 and have been doing CrossFit off and on for three years. Uh, but I only recently started going five days a week before I had kids. I was a runner and pretty active. So I had a solid foundation and understanding about being active. I scale almost everything. And for the first time I'm starting to feel stronger, uh, and see some progress. Clearly I'm not going to get super strong due to my age hurting my feelings here, Nikki. Uh, clearly, uh, let's see, my goal is to continue to be active and strong from now until I drop dead. And to emphasize that, she put a little skull emoji. So thank you for that. Um, I, like that. I respect that. 
I do. I respect the skull emoji, but I've kind of been surprised a bit lately. How realistic is it for a person in their mid forties to continue to have smaller goals related to improved performance? So I think the gist is, it's like, as you get older, you know, should you continue to, you know, get strong? Yeah. Is it, is it worth setting goals? You know, basically like, it sounds like she like doesn't want to let herself down in terms of like setting like strength and development goals. However, um, she's kind of surprising herself. Like, Ooh, wow. I kind of feel strong. Like that's kind of nice. I'll circle back around to something I've mentioned earlier on in the podcast. And then John, obviously I know you have lots of, uh, you know, lots of experience here, just getting super jacked, um, in your fifties <laughs> and being super old. Um, yeah, and being super old, but, um, one of the original wad prep athletes, uh, was a guy, Tom, Tom Malbiner, Malbier. I can't ever pronounce his last name, but Tom, he came to me and said he wanted to learn a muscle up by his 60th birthday. He came to me when he's 59 years old and he was one of the first people to ever take our muscle up madness program, which is our ring muscle up program here at Watt prep. It's like the first course we ever released. And I just remember him being like, yeah, like I'm 59. Um, but I don't know. There's something that just tells me that I think, I think I can learn a muscle up before I'm 60. Like, I think that would be just be awesome. And he could do X amount of pull-ups. You know, he could do, I think 10, 10 strict pull-ups, yada, yada, yada. Well, we got him his first muscle up. And now the guy can do at 65, I think he just joined the 65 plus division. He can do like 11 or at, at one point, I remember he got double digits on broken muscle ups from the time he was 59 to mid sixties. Right. And I'm sure at some point, yes, he will start to naturally decline. Um, especially as he no longer needs to hit such high numbers. Um, and age actually does become a factor. But the fact that Tom was able to just through normal training and CrossFit, he had a, obviously like a decent base here, but from 59 to I think 64, he went from zero muscle ups to at, again, at one point I know he hit, it was either nine or 10 or 11. Like it was basically double digits. Um, that blew me away. And I will always use him as a case study one for wad prep and two for the fact that like, Hey, you can like, don't ever allow yourself to use age as the only excuse as to why, like, I, I don't think I'm going to get any stronger or, Oh, I don't think I can learn any new skills because Tom both got stronger and learned new skills in that time frame. It's a good excuse so, though, Ben. It's a good excuse. It is, it is, it is. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a 31. How old am I? I think I'm 31. Um, year old guy. So, right. So like, I haven't personally experienced it, but based on what I've seen in the competition landscape and in wad prep athletes and in our wad prep masters program, like there are people that are aging up all the time. We're hitting new PRs every day in the age department. And we're also hitting new strength goals and new strength PRs all the time. So at 45, I think you absolutely have something left in the tank. You can you can create performance goals and surprise yourself. And the worst, or like the worst thing you can do is not set them and just like, and not pursue them. The best thing you can do is set them and achieve them. And in the middle ground, you might set some goals that you don't achieve, but that's okay. At least you're, you're like, you're pulling yourself forward in the direction of improvement. And it sounds like you like it. So keep doing it. 
Okay. So well, I think stuff. it's very realistic to set smaller goals as you get older. I mean, it, you know, there are challenges um, being a master's athlete that, you know, young kids like you don't get to experience yet, but you will soon. And I relish getting to watch that happen for you. Um, I make noises I, when I, when I get up and sit down now. Yeah. Look, like when, I, I sit, when I stand up, I'm like, ugh, ugh, and then I sit down, I'm like, ugh. those is are my that, normal. Those are my everyday noises, Ben. Those aren't even my post and pre-workout noises. Those are my, I just got out of bed and I should be refreshed and relaxed noises, but my whole body hurts. <laughs> um, look, I think there is, um, I don't fully believe in this whole theory of declined performance as you get older, I know you decline some, like, you know, there are certainly limitations as you get older, but I think you can continue to get better in areas. Like I, I watch my dad who's 77 and he's continuing to get stronger, you know? And so, you know, you can, you can argue is that better mobility and he was already that strong and he's just improving his mobility. Is he actually getting stronger? I don't know, but he's lifting more weight and he's setting goals and he's hitting them. And I can speak for myself that, you know, I've watched from starting at 40 to where I'm now at 51. I'm certainly infinitely stronger in some areas. And there's others where I feel like I'm declining running, being one of them, ironically, since she was a runner, you know, I'm not nowhere near as good a runner now as I was five years ago, but I would also say I don't run very much. I intentionally don't run very much because I've learned what it does to my body. So I focus on other areas. So I guess my point to that is, you know, maybe find one or two areas that you want to set goals in and start working toward them. And I think you'll find that you get a lot of satisfaction out of that. For me, similar to your story, Ben, it was muscle ups early on. I wanted to get one before I was 50 and I did, you know, got them at got bar muscle ups at 46 and ring muscle ups at 47 and can, and can still do them now. You know, I don't do them often, but I can still do both. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for me now it's, you know, almost what she said is like, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to stay healthy and fit. And that's my goal right now is, you know, how do I feel, you know, can I feel good? Can I still reach kind of the performance goals I want? Like in a workout, am I not feeling like death from end to end, <laughs> you know, like, the, and then, you know, am I able to do things outside of the gym where I feel really good about what I'm doing? Um, so, you know, I think you do, you just need to set some small goals for yourself, whatever that may be. So maybe it's, if I could give a suggestion, like pick something that would be considered skill work and get really good at it. Like double unders is a great one that, you know, that's a skill that people need. Pick one thing, gymnastic-y, maybe that you want to get good at, whether it's, you know, uh, handstand holds or handstand push-ups or handstand walks or, you know, or, or muscle ups, like, you know, pick something in that kind of that, or maybe it's just kipping, you know, maybe it's just getting good at kipping pull-ups. Like it could be any of that. Um, and then pick one thing in strength and, you know, and, and work on it. You know, squatting is always a great thing to measure yourself against. I measure myself against that all the time to determine, am I, you know, getting, you know, better or, or, you know, am I losing strength? And, I think, you know, those are fun things to work toward and, and, you know, give you some day-to-day goals to consider and, and measure against and, you know, and and it's your body. So, you know, adjust it to what you, there's no competition here. So if there's, you know, one lift that you want to get good at, find a coach and have them drill you on it and work on it. And, you know, I do that all the time and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. So. Yeah. The one thing, so we're talking about goals a little bit and I know, 
we are approaching the new year. We could probably have an entire episode about like goal setting and stuff like that. But the one thing that I am a huge fan of, this comes from my buddy, uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And he, he talks about oftentimes we we're like, we've been taught to create outcome goals or like destination goals where it's like, I want to squat 400 pounds or I want to win X competition. And that's great and all, and it can be useful. But the issue is that like, once it's achieved, it's done. And then you're like, kind of left with like, well, now what? Um, and also it's, it's like difficult to measure your, it's difficult to be excited with your progress if you miss the mark, like if I only squat 395, it's like, shoot, I'm a failure. It's like, are you really a failure or was you just happen to miss the goal that day? So rather than set outcome-based goals, think about process-based goals, process-based goals, which is basically like rather than saying I want to squat blank weight, it's I want to practice heavy back squats two times a week or once a week. And you just, you like check a box where you're like, if you get the work done, it is considered a success. So rather than focusing specifically on the destination, you're focusing on the practice, whether you improve or not is kind of like out of your control. But what you can control is like, did you put in the work? If you put in the work and naturally you're probably going to be pulled in the direction of that outcome goal. But I love, idea of just focusing on like how can we how can we focus on the process so while she's improving on a a bunch of different things if you could just set a couple process goals where it's like you know i think she said she trains five days a week well keep that up you know i want to train five days a week um you know every single week of of 2022 or something like that or minimum four days a week for every single week of 2022 that's crazy because i don't train that much but Whatever, maybe that's your goal. Um, I know you train that much, John. Um, that could be a goal. That is a process goal that will deliver great outcomes, and you can be happy about it regardless of the – like even if you get injured, you, you can still achieve the process goal, and while your outcome goals might not be the, the super high back squat numbers and the, the winning of Wadapalooza and you know, all these other random things, it's like you're – you're winning because you're doing the process. And I think that's, I mean, that's what this is all about is like the more you practice, the more you, you load a barbell and put it on your back, like you're going to improve naturally because of the process. So when you make the goal, the process, it's uh, it's a lot more fun and you're going to see better results in the long term, and not beat yourself up. If you fall five pounds short of some theoretical uh, outcome based goal. Yeah. And keep notes. I mean, I think that's the other piece of that. If you're going to do a process goal, you got to keep notes of what you're doing. So you can, you can see you're working towards something, you know, for me, like I always, particularly when I was working toward muscle ups, like I wanted to have a sense of how close am I, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And so, the, you know, so it, it, it shouldn't be like a complete and utter shock when you get there, you know? Um, another one of those type of goals I did once and, you know, we'll kind of wrap it up here is have you ever done the 20 back squat challenge? ever oh where it's like it's like a max effort um it's how terrible. heavy can you get to 20 it's yeah. terrible yeah you do you yeah. know you start you figure you find your base and you do 20 back squats which you know sounds bad enough on its own but it's like it's 
It's, like, it's so much worse though. It's like it's sprinting. So much like worse than you can imagine. Yeah, your heart rate just jacks. It's crazy. But you can't. So what you can't do is say, I'm going to eventually get to this weight. You know, so you do it for like six weeks. And if you go into it saying at the end of six weeks, I'm going to be at this weight, you're going to miss your target. Like it's really hard to judge. So to your point, it's like you're basically just kind of inching up in back squats week over week over week until you you know get to the end of the six weeks and then you figure out where you are. You know, it's kind of like tested and one rep max, but for me, it was, uh, it, it gives you a goal each week of going, all right, I have to complete 20. So you can't go too heavy or you won't complete it. And trust me when I tell you, like, it is hard to get to 20. It's hard to get to 20. I hate this challenge so much. Um, but it is rewarding at the end to like figure out, all right, well, it's like, you know, over six weeks period, here's what I was able to build toward, you know, and for me, it always gave me that sense of kind of what you're describing of if you work on something over, a, over kind of a fixed period of time, you should be able to see progress from end to end, even if it's minute progress. And for me, it's always about just finding those, those little wins as you get older, you know, because yeah. you're, you're going to, at some point you get away from what new CrossFitters get, which are, oh, wow, I had a 30 pound PR on my snatch. Like, you know, I haven't had a PR on my snatch in five years now. Yeah. You know, and there's just, you know, at some point that happens, you have to find new goals, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, good stuff. Thank you for the question, Nikki. We appreciate it. I'm a fan of anyone named Nikki. We love the Nikki's. So uh, shout out to my bestie Nikki on uh, the other show. So, all right. Well, this has been fun, Ben, as usual. Thanks for getting up so early. Hope you got a little coffee in. If you didn't go get some. I might actually get to take a nap. It's early. I have a video shoot this afternoon, so it might be nap time for me. I purposely didn't drink any coffee, which obviously none of you guys can tell because I'm just a naturally energetic person. Living the dream. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have a big announcement coming up uh, on this show. I'm going to leave you guys in suspense, but we're going to have a big announcement coming up. Um, It won't be next week, but it'll be in and around the first. So everybody pay attention to the channels. We'll be talking about something coming up for uh, Scale and Bail. And uh, for everyone listening, I think Ben shouted out last week. We'll do it this week, too. Make sure you get subscribed. Go to YouTube. Go to whatever channel you listen to us on uh, your apps, which would be Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. We're on all of them. Uh, Share it with your friends. We'd love as many people following along as possible. Uh, It'd be a big help to us and the channels. And uh, yeah, any beginner, any beginner to this crazy thing we call CrossFit or functional fitness, like that's our goal here is to help, help, help the average person who's just trying to get a grasp of, you know, how to navigate this, this crazy world. And they're not CrossFit games athletes. Um, If you have any beginners, you know, feel free to forward them this podcast. I think, I think they can learn a lot of really good stuff. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we'll let you guys get about your day. Thanks for joining us, and we'll chat with you guys soon.